0: Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host Evan Leong and with me is my co-host Carrie Leong.
1: Thank you Evan. Today's guest is Dwayne Carisu, one of Hawaii's greatest success stories. Duane started his career in commercial real estate and his firm Carisu and Fergus developed and managed many real estate projects. He is the owner of this radio station ESPN 1420 Hawaii Business Magazine, Honolulu Magazine, and Watermark Publishing. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Dwayne Krisu. Welcome to our show, Dwayne.
2: Oh, Thank you for inviting me.
1: You're originally from the plantation community in the Big Island. Can you tell us how you got your business start?
2: Well, I um, went to the University of Hawaii, and just coming here to Manoa was a, a big challenge by itself. Moving here, I... Just seeing two cars going in the same direction was trauma for me. So coming to Honolulu was a, was a big challenge. And coming from a plantation community where you know everybody, you knew the shopkeeper, it was a great way of growing up. Your question was, you wanted to know...
1: How did you get your business started?
2: How, how got my business start? Well, I, I started working for American Security Bank after graduating from the University of Hawaii. And then out of the bank, I got recruited by Ron Petty, who just broke up his partnership with Jay Scheidler. And um, I got elevated to his number two person. I worked with him for about seven years. And then I went on to open up my own company with uh, somebody that I worked with, Mike Fergus. And, that,
0: and Is that in your late 20s then? You went
2: off on your own? I was uh, 29. Okay. Yeah, and uh, well, I didn't have anything to start off with, and neither neither did my partner Mike. So we basically came across this building after you know windsurfing all day. Maybe we had one or two beers, too many to drink. But then I he gave me the challenge of buying this building, and and basically we put it under contract. And our my job was to convince the bank that both Mike and I could could do for ourselves what we did for the companies that we worked for. And basically we we did convince the bank and they loaned us the money that we needed for this project and that was the beginning of um our building our, our real estate portfolio. And you guys
0: didn't have any collateral to put up or
2: well we used the property as collateral. Yeah. Oh
0: huh. and then so what happened from that? That was one project you guys built up the building and then what did you do? You sold it off or you still have it?
2: Well, we were born and raised to be cash flow investors. So that property was a cash flow type property. And, and we we kept it for a long period of time. In the meantime, we, we went and bought another piece of property and then another and another. It, it was all based upon cash flows. You know, like, like Mike and I would say, we... Put our heads down and we really worked hard. And one year later, we looked up and we dis- and we we realized how many properties we had amassed. I mean, it, we 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 never really kept count.
0: You mean just after your first year?
2: Well, after the first year mm. and yeah, after the first year, yeah.
0: So when did you start doing other businesses besides real estate? You you didn't think oh, I just want to go real estate and I, and, I and concentrate completely on that? It was, it was about that.
2: three years after we started and. So we started in nineteen eighty five. And in nineteen eighty eight and eighty nine, there started to be this whole mergers and acquisition trend across the United States. And it was um and people were buying companies and breaking it up, breaking up companies. And we decided well and it, it started it came to Hawaii on a significantly smaller scale. So what we decided to do is we wanted to be to keep companies intact rather than having them break apart so we had either we had people come to us to invest in their companies to keep their companies intact Hmm. and Mm so um i I, then i i I started getting interested in the operation of businesses so one of them was like hawaii's own and the other one was like the pepsi and seven up um distributorship in maui and there and there were some others but um that's how I got started in businesses.
0: So you guys put the initial investment in and you took over management or you just helped them get through a, like a bridge loan?
2: No, we, we got them through a bridge. And, and, and basically, in one case, we helped to buy out dissenting partners that were wanting to break up the company. And oh, okay. so we, we kept the company intact. And then management stayed intact to, to keep the, the business and the family, the family of companies moving forward rather than breaking apart.
1: Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com.
0: How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com.
1: Who donates 6% of sales to make more money?
0: Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com.
1: Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief?
0: Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com.
1: You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii? Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Dwayne Kurisu, the true epitome of a social entrepreneur. He has ownership in over 12 businesses, but his true passion is helping the community.
0: So then you had real estate under your belt. You had saving, basically saving companies under your belt. Mm-hmm. And then what came next?
2: Then one day I I said I, I think I've <laughs> I had enough, and that I'm gonna go fishing every day. Well, oh yeah, okay. And and that lasted for three months.
0: And, um, you got bored or just?
2: Well, I found it. I found that I I, I really had a passion for. Helping other people and making a difference in other people's lives, and and that I needed to talk to people, and whether people I think in general whether they they realize it or not, we, we all need certain levels of stress, and I think I was craving stress. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of weird.
1: Not catching the fish wasn't stressing enough already. That's yes, right.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can only go golf and fishing so much every day. So, so so then, you know, what happened was actually friends of mine said, you know, instead of going just quitting, why don't you just do things gradually? Because it's kind of like the yin and yang effect. So once you get to a certain point, at, at least when you get busy again, it's going to be a gradual thing. What's, what, and, you know, these guys were all pretty accurate because it went, I, I, I quit. But when I came back, it was, I, I, I was busier than I was ever before because I, I started Hawaii Winter Baseball.
0: What year was that?
2: I started working on it in 1992. So I here I was craving for stress, and then I got more stress than I, than I ever thought I would. <laughs>
1: when you took that time off, did you get inspired to come up with this winter baseball idea or come up with new ideas?
2: You, you probably want an inspiring thought, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I just came back, and I, I went back to helping my partner grow the business, the real estate business. Mm-hmm. and. And in that process, um, the winter baseball idea came about.
0: So Wait, so he was working continually this whole period, but then you said I'm going fishing.
2: Yeah. And he said, "Okay." Yeah.
0: Oh, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, you're no, a good no, salesperson no, then. No, huh? no,
2: actually, no. We have a Mike Fergus. He, he's like my brother. Uh huh. So, and we're we're like we're really like yin and yang. So when, when when we, I'll give you a long answer to that. So when we started, he was. Uh, a extremely conservative person, and I was a s- extremely optimistic person. And so when we came to decisions, it was all, it always came in the middle, and it became kind of like a ritual that if I said black, he'd say white. You know, if <laughs> I said white, he'd say black, mm-hmm. and, and we'd end up someplace in the middle that was always pretty right on. That relationship still continues that way. We're really different kinds of people, but we kind of like feed off each other. Mm-hmm. So when we do something, it, even today, if, if we did a project, we're working on a project right now. We really don't have to tell each other what we're gonna do because we already know what we're gonna do. I do mm-hmm. my part, he does his part, and it kind of just works out synergistically. So actually, the, the three months that I was gone, he was um, the, the the part that I was supposed to have done was already done. I mean. It, I, I it it, it there it, I, I didn't have to be around for mm-hmm. the company to operate.
0: How old were you when you took that break?
2: Oh yeah, you're asking some very difficult questions. See, <laughs> I'm 29 now, so <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I must have been 12 years old. No, no, no. Well, um I must have been in my 30s, then, early so, 30s. So from
0: the time you guys started, your
2: your age, how old are you?
0: 32. <laughs> Man, I yeah. <laughs> I would like to go fishing, but I don't really like to fish. Yeah, no,
2: I, I wasn't that young. I... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because you know, if you if you're doing your own firm and you're only doing it for less than a decade, even, and you're at that point where you don't have to work anymore, it's you know, it's an, the challenge then is becoming what really excites you, right? What is it that's going to get you motivated to have that emotional energy to stick with something?
2: Nice. Uh, are you speaking from well, from experience? <laughs>
0: yeah, for me too. <laughs> I have a. I got to motivate myself in general, but you know.
2: You, you just have your wife do all the work.
0: Well, this, that's kind of how it is, right? Okay.
2: That's, oh, yeah. uh-huh.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio.
0: After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanuman.
1: The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed.
0: The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry and will inspire you to live a greater good life.
1: Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com.
0: Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with Monster so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com.
1: We're back with Duane Carisu, one of Hawaii's greatest success stories. Duane started his career in commercial real estate and his firm, Carisu & Fergus, developed and managed many real estate projects. He is the owner of this radio station, ESPN 1420, Hawaii Business Magazine, Honolulu Magazine, and Watermark Publishing.
0: When you decided to start the Hawaii Winter Baseball League then, was it just something that came out of your, your? you just came up with it, or were things done, like, was there some kind of other winter baseball league somewhere else?
2: Well, actually, um, this guy came to sell me season tickets for a winter league that was being started here in Hawaii. and. I thought, wow, what a terrific idea! Then, when I, the next time I saw the guy, he said, "Well, you know, we're closing down. We're we're, we're pulling out." Mm-hmm. And so I I I went and I uh, I got to see the, the president of that company, and, and they were winding down. And and like basically, they had a concept that involved U.S. players. And so my feeling was that baseball. Really is a global sport, and and it really should be an international sport. So I, I I I basically, some people say I you know I basically bought that idea, kept the league going. I kept the president here, and we took it to become an international baseball league, the first truly, true professional international baseball league, of its kind in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's how we started. It, it was the most difficult thing that i've ever tried to accomplish but at the same time it was the most satisfying can you give an example well when i asked people for help very few people came forward and, and, and wanted could help because there was nothing like it existing at that time and when i went to talk to certain people on the mainland who had professional baseball leagues they said well you know You've got to start from ground zero because there's there's nothing you really can put your your feet in. So there are times when I was I was gonna I was thinking to myself, you know, it really isn't worth it. Maybe I should just throw in the towel. Maybe it's a big growing up um, on a big island being hard hit. Hmm. I just wanted to make sure that it happened because it it was, I think it was really important not only for baseball but for. For people around the world as as a way of, you know, because this, this league was something where, where usually you have countries playing against each other. But in this league, I wanted international players and U.S. players to be playing with each other for a team. And some really remarkable things I thought was going to happen, and it did happen. So whereas people would not, you know, like it would be a Japanese catcher, pitcher, and a, an American catcher, but somehow... Baseball, there's a common language. They were able to communicate, even if they they could communicate in so many other ways, and could still play the game. And then when you look in the dugout, you'd have them, you know, horsing around with each other. And the first year that we had the winter league, the teams that performed the best were these two teams that were. We did an experiment. We had two teams that were intermingled. We had and then we had two teams that are just American players. Well, about two weeks into the season, the teams that did not have Japanese and Korean players would come and ask me, and say, hey, you know, Mr. Kreese, we want some of that. Mm-hmm. Like, some of what? Some of that. Well, they wanted this interchange with the international players. And actually, the, as it turns out, those two Mixed teams ended up being the, the best-performing teams. And actually, the, the kids that ended up playing there ended up being significantly more successful a year after when when their regular season started. And and I think, my theory is that because they had, the players had to try harder to communicate with each other and try harder to get along with each other, they, their performance actually went beyond what even they expected. Mm-hmm. But then, even if you
0: if you think about Hawaii Winter Baseball League, and then you're bringing that back, right? Yes, soon. That didn't that lead into the San Francisco Giants?
2: Yes, it did. Like I previously mentioned, it's the only kind of league of its kind. So we have, in in contrast to any other thing other than Major League Baseball, Hawaii Winter Baseball was the only non Major League Baseball entity that reported to the to the commissioner's offices of Major League Baseball. And so we had a direct relationship with all 30 Major League teams and front offices. And the same went with Japan, a relationship with all 12 Japanese front offices and Major League teams. Well, when I went traveling for it, for business purposes to different cities, if they happened to have a Major League team, whether it was in Japan or on the mainland, I would make it a point to go and visit and. So on this particular visit, when I went to see Peter McGowan at at the Giants office at, which was at that time at the Candlestick Park, it was like seeing an old lost brother. We just immediately hit it off. We I mean there was a terrific rapport. Talked about a lot of different things, and as I was ready to leave, he asked me, Dwayne, would you like to join us and be a partner? I was so thrilled and I wanted to say yes right then and there, but uh, I figured, you know, i got to act cool, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, thank you, and let me think about it all the way. I couldn't wait to get back home because I, I wanted to make a call to Peter to tell him, yes, I'm, I'm in. You know?
1: <laughs> that was the longest trip of your life. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but even if you think about it, you're, doing, you're trying to do your best and bring international teams and players together, almost like a goodwill. Kind of, you know, a goodwill type of of thinking.
2: Well, you get a lot of um. Well, it's good. Goodwill is too nice of a term. I I I think um, because of the the level of players and and the significance that they bring here, I I say instead of goodwill, I think they're ambassadors because most of these players end up they're already popular, well known, but after when they Go back home and play in the major leagues. They actually, and when they, some of them do become big stars. They actually, they're 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 true ambassadors, and and some of them still are. Like Ichiro played here in 1993. He still speaks fondly of Hawaii. Whenever people ask him, so how did you get to be as good as you are? It's been people tell me they've seen it in Japan, in Seattle. I, when I was in Washington D.C. once, I saw it in, in the. Washington Post. That he said because he played it in, for Hawaii Winter Baseball. So one of the things I can I can tell you is so in in thinking about making a difference in other people's lives with Hawaii Winter Baseball, there are a lot of examples there. But just in, we, we experimented with uh, with a bunch of different things. So in one promotion, for example, I figure well, this was the beginning of December. It was holidays and. I know people, some people would feel guilty. Why am I here sitting down watching a baseball game where well, I should be help, you know, helping some charity or I should be Christmas shopping? So one promotion was, well, you have a packet. I forget who the, the sponsor was. You have a packet of things, and so you make things. And at the end of the game, things were collected and brought over to whether it's an old folks' home or I, I think – The promotion was doing ornaments. So actually when you're sitting down and watching a game, you're actually doing something, you know, and making a contribution. So that's where we started doing some of the the social things.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio.
0: We're staying cool on Hawaiian time Neptune
1: Nights, the sunshine in your mouth For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business Contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 Or online at bubbletea.com
0: Neptune nice the sunshine in your mouth
2: greatergoodradio.com
1: you're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Dwayne Carisu, the true epitome of a social entrepreneur. He has ownership in over 12 businesses, but his true passion is helping the community.
0: It's almost like using leverage, right? Because you have a bunch of people sitting there. And then they can make things for you while they're there. They paid a ticket too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then you take their you know, what they made and and you give it away. <laughs> there we go. Right? Yeah. So I mean when I'm talking about leverage, when we first had met and we sat in that meeting mm-hmm. and and what I really wanted to know was how can I make more money? But what I left the meeting thinking was how can I do more good for the community? In you know, in a one hour meeting. The first thing that we went through was leverage and you talked we talked about sponsorships and I mean scholarships, sorry. And what we talked about was, I said, you know, what if we take, you know, this kid and we help them with a scholarship and do this and and you know I you know take ten grand and you know we give him a ten thousand dollar scholarship and he said, no 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 no, that's the wrong way to think about it. You got to use leverage. I was like, what is that? And he said, you got to use leverage. I have a Hawaii Sports Network Foundation. We get these these kids scholarships. Let's say a hundred thousand dollar full ride scholarship. But the way we do that is I fund a staff position. You know, at at a few thousand dollars a month or whatever it may be, but they give me a hundred thousand. So that you know, my dollar is you know, thirty, fifty times more than than um, what I would have gotten out of it just giving it straight to that
2: person. Oh, is that what leverage is? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I now no, I I recall that that conversation and 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 basically, I I think what we figured was it cost maybe three to $5,000 per child in uh, in direct costs to help them actually what we were functioning as a a marketing tool i guess you can call it college counselor for for children in in Hawaii with schools and 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 our objective was to get at least three offers from schools and we would negotiate with the different schools to to get the scholarship dollars actually you know what Doris Sullivan used to do this for us so so and she's an expert at this so what Doris would do first is find out how much free money she could get for the kids and then knowing from federal agencies or whatever and 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 so once she knows what that amount was she'd go out and get at least three different three different offers from from schools and and, and the objective objective was to get these children to get to go to school for free so so your term was leverage. I don't know if so. So is for five thousand dollars per child. We, you know, the the child would actually end up with a full ride for four years. So if if you take, you know, forty thousand a year times four years is one hundred sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars.
0: But even if you take leverage a step further and you say yeah. this child now got that opportunity mm-hmm. because somebody helped them out, mm-hmm. and if they feel that type of gratitude, that they're going to turn over and do the same for someone else, it would. Only take one person to put a program together, and you have a massive amount of leverage, and you keep going over and over and over again, kind of like the snowball that rolls down the
1: hill. Well, right?
2: that's, my, that's my hope, and that's our investment in humanity, thinking that, that after these kids graduate and end up working that they'll do that for somebody else.
0: True, true. So the second thing that we went over in that meeting was, you, know, you said, this is the main secret for you, and I said, okay, I'm ready. And you told me, I don't do anything unless it helps the community. And I was still ready for the secret. I said, okay, I'm ready for the secret. And he said, no, 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 no. I don't do anything unless it benefits the community. And I was totally thrown off because my thought was I do my business and I do my community things and they're separate. They mm-hmm. don't mix. And after I do my business stuff, maybe I can do community things. But your thought was completely different on that. Can, can you give us some examples of that?
2: I think first it starts with the employees and people ask what, AIO is. And AIO actually represents life. Life. And I use the word life to interchange with the word aloha. And I, I, I um, aloha is a word that I, a lot of times I try not to use because it, it gets misconstrued. It, it, the, the depth and breadth of its meaning to me is so significant that it would be uh, misunderstood. So I say AIO represents life. And the objective is for each of our employee each employee to discover within himself or herself what what her what, what his employ, his life is all about to be to discover that he or she is totally responsible for everything that happens inside and around him so in in that in that sense it, it really empowers that person to truly become what he or she can dream about becoming. I know it sounds willy-nilly, but we actually have certain programs ingra- um, put in, into our company that helps to encourage these things to, to take place. So 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 one is, I would say, we call my life. So each supervisor goes and, and talks to the employee to find out what, really what, what is – the employee's vision five years from now it's okay if it, that vision is outside of the company so first there's this whole this trust building to for the employee to to really reveal what he or she feels and, and a lot of times it's a self discovery for the employees i mean it's like you know if a mother thinking well you know i just want to make sure i go home and, and and feed my children and then well but for them to think that you know well you know i, I got to think five years and for myself it's it's a it's a really um um good tool for introspection it, it, again it it forces this whole notion about discovering what life is about which is so I, again we, we start with that as a base and then we have another program every every employee has their normal vacation but you can take an additional week provided that that week is solely about discovering something new about yourself or for yourself some employees end up doing things solely for um, you know like developing a personal skill where others have gone out and reached out into a community because that's what they've they felt they've always wanted to do like you know spend a week volunteering at I, I'm just making this up now, volunteering and, and, and feeding um, underprivileged children. So when you talk about leverage, that's, I, I, I kind of see that as leverage too, leverage with the employees, because my, 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 really my true satisfaction is the success of each. I mean, when I say each, I really mean each of our employees.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host Evan Leong and Carrie Leong saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii.